everybody. Saul Marquez with the Outcomes Rocket. I want to welcome you back again to this cybersecurity series in healthcare. That's October, Cybersecurity Awareness Month in our country. And in particular, on this series, we are hosting a, a, a just a, an incredible group of, of leaders within healthcare and in spe- specifically healthcare cybersecurity. Today, I have the privilege of, of hosting two outstanding leaders in healthcare. First, I want to introduce Christine Sublet. She is a senior executive and entrepreneur with a proven record throughout the healthcare and cybersecurity ecosystem with expertise in digital health, health information technology, and medical device industries. She advises early to mid-stage companies, boards, of directors and executive teams on foundational principles of board-level cybersecurity risk and crisis management oversight, two topics that have been common on our series and we'll continue to touch on. Secondly, I want to introduce Dr. Mark Jarrett. He currently is the Senior Health Advisor for Northwell Health and a Professor of Medicine at the Donald and Barbara Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra Northwell. He currently serves as the vice chair of the Healthcare and Public Health Sector Coordinating Council, who we're doing this podcast series in partnership with, and the National Healthcare Sector Chief for National InfraGuard, as well as a sector chief for New York Metro InfraGuard. He is also a cybersecurity expert in healthcare, and we're so excited to have him join us on this podcast series specific to telemedicine and what are we doing to make it safer and cyber safe, as we've been saying in the podcast series. So with that, I want to, I want to welcome both of you, Chris and Mark to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having us. So uh, one of the neat things uh, that we've been doing as part of this series is, is sort of getting to know what has it been what what's been the impetus for your interest in in healthcare cybersecurity? So I would love to hear from from both of you what what got in what got you into the field. Chris, I'll let you go first. I'll go. Sounds good. Um, so I've, I've been in tech more than thirty years, and most of those years have been spent in cybersecurity in some part of the healthcare public health sector. Um, I spent several years at. Stanford Children's Hospital as their security architect and chief security officer. And uh, even though that was more than 15 years ago now, it was apparent to me at the time that it was critically important for us to find ways to secure our healthcare data, um, particularly because my my concern at the time and, and continues to be my concern is that if we don't do this well, then we run the risk of losing faith of our constituents, our customers, our patients. And, you know, I think we've, we've actually seen that, um, you know, over the last many years related to, to different things, some of it's security and privacy issues, some of it's around COVID and, and uh, vaccines and other things where patients may not trust the, the healthcare sector. And this, you know, Mark and I have, have had many conversations around this, particularly around uh, vaccinations, but I think it's also just as true around cybersecurity that, that we have to uh, find ways to ensure that we are keeping data safe and keeping safe of our, our patients. Yeah, thank you for that, Chris. Uh, definitely a, a critical issue that uh, glad we're, we're, you're focused on. 
with your experience. Dr. Jarrett? Sure, thank you. Uh, so I came at it actually from the opposite end that uh, Chris did. Um, I was in patient care most of my career, uh, taking care of patients. Uh, and uh, my last uh, um, set of uh, work was really as chief quality officer for, and patient safety officer for Northwell Health, a large health system. And it became apparent to me that cybersecurity is not just about hacking and theft of data and things like that. It truly is a patient safety issue. Uh, we are now living in a very digital world in healthcare. And that digital world has many advantages, but has the disadvantage that we are now dependent on digital records, digital information, where in the past we often had paper records, which you can tell were altered, et cetera. So we're really living in a very different uh, era. And I felt it was important to bring my little bit of tech knowledge uh, together with what I'm hoping is a larger amount of clinical knowledge and hospital knowledge and outpatient knowledge to bring this all together to try and see how we can help our providers, our healthcare organizations, uh, protect patients and the care that they get uh, by practicing cyber hygiene and being secure. Thank you, Mark. That's that's uh, some great comments there. And it, it really does echo the um, uh, previous podcast we did with uh, Drs. Tully and Damif around mm -hmm. the importance of uh, cyber safety as a patient issue. So I appreciate you revisiting that. It's critical. You know, um, oh, Chris, were you going to were you going to comment on that? I didn't want to. Oh, I was I was certainly in agreement. And, um, uh, you know, as, as Mark mentioned, the, the safety, uh, cyber safety issue, right, it's not just related to the patient data itself, it's also related to devices and mm -hmm. uh, software, where the potential, uh, because things are, uh, you know, network attached, whether we're talking Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, or other interface, where, um, you know, an attacker doesn't have to be sitting in the room anymore. And um, and I'm I'm certain your previous podcast addressed this in detail. Oh, absolutely! But you know what? It you know repetition is the mother of skill, and on this series, it's great. You know, don't feel like don't don't hold back. I wanna I wanna make sure we're we're taking these points home. Uh, so so, but I do appreciate you mentioning that, Chris. And and so th this look, we we we've got through COVID. Um, we're on the tail end of it. As a result, virtual visits have become a reality. You know, we found out that patients actually like them and that they are something that works. So with the increase of these virtual doctor visits, how do, how do we keep the data and sessions secure? Well, before I let Chris get into the technical, I, I always use the comment that telehealth and telemedicine is not just a simple uh, phone call. It's a much more complicated system, uh, as Chris had pointed out about, with devices, uh, with using the internet, with using uh, connectivity means such as Wi-Fi. And the easiest example I always give is the uh, patient who's sitting at home, who's 80 years old, who's figured out how to get their device on their Wi-Fi and therefore make the call, uh, but still has the username as admin and their password is password one. And that's about as open as you can get a system. And that's the reality of what we live with in terms of telehealth, uh, certainly on, you know, and we can discuss on the hospital side, hardening things or the provider side, but we have to remember now 
this involves our patients. And if one thing we've learned in COVID, especially as people try to get on websites to register for vaccines, was that we have a widespread of digital expertise amongst our patients uh, and amongst the community. Uh, we have community members who really don't even have access uh, necessarily to internet. So any security we put in has to reflect the fact that it's not just about the provider, but it's also about the patient and how we can help them maintain security as well. Some great call-outs there for sure, Mark. Uh, uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? So, you know, I, I completely agree with Mark that, that um, this goes well beyond having a, you know, a video call, uh, for lack of a better term, um, with a provider. And we're talking about a wide range of remote patient engagement tools and platforms. And you, know, you can have a very secure system, very secure device, very secure platform that you're rolling out to patients. And if it's difficult for them to use, it's, it's essentially useless. Mm -hmm. And so it really is a balance between having what we think of as good security as well as good usability. And, you know, the larger health systems in many ways have great advantage um, in terms of, of putting in place appropriate security and usability for their, their clinicians and their patients. But the vast majority of healthcare in this country is delivered by much smaller um, uh, practices or you know, sole providers. And they mostly, I think it's true to say, most of them don't have high levels of security or privacy knowledge. And being able to communicate to their patients, um, number one, you know, that, hey, there actually are security and privacy risks associated with this type of an engagement and helping a patient understand that, um, you know, they have some responsibility in this as well. And being able to explain this to people who may have, you know, varying levels, including some pretty low levels of, of technical uh, knowledge can be very challenging. And I think that's an area where, uh, you know, it's, it's not enough for us to provide, whether it's, you know, us, the HSCC, or, um, uh, you know, a regulator, it's not enough for us to give our clinicians guidance. We have to be able to help clinicians, I think, give guidance to, to patients. Well said. And it's that, that, that a good way to segment and understand it is, is usability and security. And, you know, Dr. Jerry, you mentioned uh, the password one, username admin. It's even educating on the basics that you would think everyone knows, but you can't assume that. Uh, unfortunately, it's not just the general public, um, even some of our providers. Uh, you know, we've tried to educate them and we're, it's ongoing and series like this podcast are very important uh, because it's not only protecting the, the patients and, and the healthcare information, which is very critical, but it's even protecting their own personal privacy uh, that they have to be concerned with. And, you know, people have always seen this as overkill or, you know, gee, you're just being paranoid. But the, the number of attacks that occur uh, is so huge throughout the country in healthcare now. And the fact that the information that's a, that they can garner uh, by hacking 
is actually very valuable financially to people. So, you know, if you say that it's worth $80 a medical record now for the healthcare information on somebody, and you can steal a thousand of them, that's a lot to sell. That's uh, a lot to so sell. We really need the providers to understand that it's their responsibility no differently than they all learned, you know, not to leave a paper chart in their car. Okay. It's mm. the same type of thing. And it took a while. I think people are getting there. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't think they're there yet. And that's one of the things that we've tried to do in trying to you know, provide information that is easy for everybody to understand. I think what Chris said is the large health delivery organizations, large health systems, they have lots of security people. They kind of get it. Doesn't mean they're immune to attack. Right. because they're a very large target, uh, but at least they know what to do. Uh, but a lot of other people don't, and it's just a matter of education over time. I think it's getting there, but we have a ways to go. Thank you for that. Yeah, for sure. And and that's why we're doing this series. And I appreciate both of you being here with with me and with the listeners to to help us understand and help us get there. And so zooming back into telemedicine visits, you know, how are they vulnerable to cyber attack? Could somebody hack in and, and watch a video conference between a doctor and a patient? Help us understand that more. Chris, do you want to start? I do. So COVID really, in, in many ways, moved uh, telemedicine forward um, many, many, many years faster than I think it would have moved. <laughs> and Yep. The uh, which you know is a great thing. <laughs> there are not a lot of great things I'd say about COVID, but that one I, I'm I think is a really good outcome. Um, the uh, you know the federal regulators um, issued a, a limited HIPAA waiver, right, so that we could use platforms that um, had not yet uh, been vetted in any way for for something like HIPAA compliance, right, and these these included things like Zoom or, or Skype or, oh my gosh, Facebook Messenger, um, I'm sure was being used, FaceTime, others. And, um, but what this did is it really opened up uh, for a large segment of our, our provider population and our patient population, the ability to have um, these remote visits with their provider. The challenge, of course, and, and, and it's not just with, with, Types of products where you know they aren't running around saying that they comply with HIPAA, or haven't or haven't had their security you know, independently validated by a provider by a, by a third party, is that um, you know any product can be uh, insecure, <laughs> and and so it's the key I think for for these products, whether it's a, you know a, a video platform, audio platform, or other type of remote patient engagement tool, is we have to build them with security and privacy in mind, right? It's not enough to think about it later uh, at the end of our development cycle and say, oh, hey, we've got to build this in. Let's, let's go back and try to bolt it on because it never works well, uh, takes longer, and it costs more. And so the company making these products, so whether software, software or, and or hardware uh, companies, they have a responsibility, of course, to build security into products, but they do come with risks. And even products that roll out secure, uh, it is not unusual that somewhere down the road, 
of a vulnerability is identified. And so part of what we've done um, with the HSCC is look at whether it's with the telehealth uh, product that Mark and I worked on or other um, publications through the HSCC that address uh, different types of medical devices or other types of hardware and software is looking at the whole product lifecycle and ensuring that uh, you know, we build security into the product, we do appropriate testing, and that we have a um, program in place to address issues um, after we've been rolled out to so a post-market type of security program. Yeah, I appreciate that, Chris. And being mindful from the minute you build it to how you maintain it uh, is certainly critical. Is the is the issue that people could come in and eavesdrop on the session, or is the issue more they get access to your profile and your data, or both? Well, I, think, I think all of it is possible. Okay. Um, I also think that it goes beyond that, right? It goes to a place where perhaps the uh, patient systems are insecure because they haven't patched ever or not recently, right? And um, or it, it's individuals who are um, in the room, whether it's in the patient room um, or in the uh, provider's room, while they're having the session so that information um, is being heard by people who really shouldn't be hearing the information mm. during your appointment. Right? So it's, it's not always a technical issue. Mark, were you going to comment on that? No, I, 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 I was just going to say that, uh, that that it's true that you know they can they can either steal the information, just hack and get you know your your you know your you know personal identifiers or your actual medical record. But more concerned, especially as you do certain types of telemedicine, our health system has done a lot of behavioral health telemedicine. Those are conversations you want to make sure are secure. People are really talking about things that are, you know, beyond, that are really the most personal of all. Yeah. And it is possible people can hack in and, you know, just like you can tap a phone, you can figure out a way to do this if, you know, if there is not security at both ends, both the patient end as well as the, the healthcare yeah. end. And then how it's encrypted as it goes from one to the other and back and forth, maintaining that everything is done properly. Uh, so it's, it's not super complex in today's world, but it just needs to be, so to speak, hardened so that we really know it. And then a very critical thing after that is that who's ever doing the telehealth, the provider side, needs to have some monitoring of what they're doing, looking for abnormal activity. Uh, you know, the... You, you don't want to find out about it because all of a sudden, you know, something comes out that information was stolen. You want to catch things early. So you need some monitoring of the system. Uh, so it's really an active process. Again, uh, you know, as both Chris and I were saying, it's not just a video call or a telephone call. It's a much more complex uh, visit that requires a lot of work but has a lot of payoff because it is not only, you know, to be seen in COVID, but in general, the 80-year-old patient who does not have to come in when there's two and three inches of snow and ice on the ground to see the doctor when they just have a few questions, it just makes sense. You know, you bring the care to the patient rather than the patient to the care whenever you can. Yeah, I totally agree. That's, that's fantastic. 
Dr. Jared and, and, and Chris. Thank you both for, for that insight. So as we take a look at ownership, you know, like, like, like there's, there's a lot of parties involved here in telemedicine uh, and remote care. There's the internet carrier, there's the device manufacturers, there's the software developers. Whose responsibility is this? Everyone. Yep. <laughs> I was about to say the same. It's everyone's responsibility. Uh, you know, you know, as a health delivery organization, we can't manufacture the equipment. We don't write the software. Uh, we do have agreements with them that they are going to make sure they're secure. And you have, you know, you have to ensure that. Uh, on the other hand, they have to make sure that when they put out a security patch, that we're going to put in that security patch. Because if we don't put in that new up upgrade, then even though they have solved the problem, we've still left it wide open. So it requires everybody working together. And then it does involve the patient as well, making sure their device is secure, making sure that they have. So it's really everybody's involvement. But again, once it's set up and going, it, it does not become, it's just this beginning period where it exploded as Chris said, because of COVID, the amount of telehealth visits, that I think has made it a little bit harder. I think as it becomes more routine, our ways of handling it will be better. And I think both the public and the providers will be better educated. Thank you for that. Chris, any, any, anything you'd add to, to, to that? I, I would absolutely agree with, with what Marcus said there. The um, I think the, the one of the places where we can still do better, really, though, is around uh, patient education. Um, you know, lots of organizations are doing a much better job with uh, educating their providers, uh, but the there are still considerable segments of our society who are not nearly as technologically literate as they likely need to be. And, and certainly uh, when we're looking at things like telehealth, uh, it, it, it's important that they understand really basic cyber safety, cybersecurity concepts and how to protect themselves better. And so the you know, you know, Mark's example of admin and password one, um, it, it's, it's amusing, but it's also horrifying because it's incredibly common. Um, and so you know, helping users understand that there are ways to manage their passwords, for example, um, that, you know, the, and some of this really does fall out of what I would consider to be the basics that uh, you know, a, a healthcare organization or clinician would be providing in terms of guidance to their patients. But really, I think it speaks to a broader question of just cyber literacy that, we need to do a much better job of teaching just generally um, in our society. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, no, I appreciate, appreciate your comments. And you guys have done an incredible job in particular um, leading this part of the Health Sector Coordinating Council, the document that, that was produced guidance around health industry, cybersecurity, securing telehealth and telemedicine. I'd love to give you guys an opportunity to tee this up for, for the listeners. Folks, um, we will be including a link to this document, which is very informative. Um, you could download it by visiting our show notes of today's podcast. 
Um, but let's uh, let's spend a little time there, uh, Mark and Chris. Tell us about the document and what people could get out of it. Sure. So I'll start off. Uh, the document was uh, published back in April of uh, of 2021. Got a little delayed because of COVID, but uh, it did get published. Uh, and it really tries to cover things not only for uh, the very sophisticated from an IT viewpoint, but as we've been talking about, people who are less sophisticated and give guidance. And we try to cover, you know, a lot of areas, you know, defining what telehealth is, what are the risks, um, you know, why is telehealth a target? Uh, why do people think it may happen? And then really go into some of the considerations for cybersecurity that organizations should do and you know and conduct in order to make things safer. We also have a little section on policy and regulations, which is constantly evolving, but you know, we're going to update that eventually. Uh, but it's a good snapshot of what the policy and regulations are because this is a regulated area and for good reason. And therefore, uh, people have to be aware who are using telehealth, what are, what are the federal and state uh, regulations that may be uh, controlling this area as well. So it's an it's a easy-to-read document uh, designed for all levels of people trying to read, read it and therefore hopefully gather information to understand the problem. There are a lot of other references for this as well. Uh, but we think this is a great introductory uh, document for most people. You know, what, what I would add there is the uh, most of the HSCC documents, or all of them, is that they they address and understand that not all healthcare providers or health organizations or health systems are starting in the same place and or have the same cyber capabilities. And I think there can be huge differences in the ability of a large health system and a maybe a you know smaller uh, rural health system in terms of uh, their their ability to adequately address cyber risk. And the, this document, as well as the others, they they understand this. And we, what we've done is we've really said, you know, these are the things that really should be happening. But if you can't do all of this, then do these things. Right. And start essentially, it's always about start somewhere. Mm. Right. And then as your capability and your, your cyber maturity grow, here are the other things that you should think about adding um, into your um, telemedicine, telehealth solutions, into your vulnerability management uh, program uh, for your telehealth systems and programs. Yeah, thank you, Chris and Mark. You know, and what I really love about this, folks, uh, if you, I would, I would hit pause right now uh, and go look at the document. I mean, it is what a great place to get ideas around things you should be looking for. Hey, you could pressure test if you if you feel like you got a good program in place. Pressure test your program with some of these things because there are even even state specific recommendations around things you should be considering if you're doing telehealth from a particular state. So um, just want to give uh, Dr. Jarrett and Chris huge kudos, you and the team that that put this together and are making it available for everybody listening today. Uh, certainly appreciate the, the hard work and the smart work that went into this document. And for what you guys are doing 
to educate uh, the broader uh, stakeholder community on cybersecurity and healthcare. As we uh, as we close, uh, I want to invite both of you to give us a closing thought and uh, the best place that the listeners could reach out to you and learn more about your work. The you know the best place to you know in terms of uh, learning what we're doing uh, is go to the website. Um, I have some other articles on patient safety and cybersecurity uh, that certainly people are free to read. Uh, they're all online, I mean, from some of the journals. Uh, but what I really encourage is not so much about what I or anybody individually is doing. Just keep up with what's going on. Um, you know, as I said, the digitalization of healthcare is here. It's a definite plus for patient care, whether it be telehealth, electronic medical records, you know, digital x-rays, everything is, is great. But with like every, unfortunately, turning on its end with every opportunity comes a threat. And we have to deal with the threats and we can deal with the threats, but it requires a little work on all of our parts. Uh, so just try and keep up, look for documents coming uh, from, you know, the, the, the sector coordinating council on these areas. Uh, and certainly people can reach out to me. Um, I don't know if you're putting out our email addresses later or not. Uh, LinkedIn, we've been doing it. LinkedIn. If you want, we'll... we'll you can send to me through LinkedIn. LinkedIn. I'm on yeah. LinkedIn. Okay. And, uh, and mm-hmm. I'd be glad to answer any questions. Like Same. Uh, yes, absolutely. Feel free to reach out through LinkedIn. And um, also glad to answer any questions or provide any guidance I can. Um, to, to, to add to what Mark said, uh, keep track of what's happening with uh, HSCC and actually think about joining us, right? One of, one of the wonderful things about um, the uh, Coordinating Council is that we have a large variety of, of people and skill sets. And, you know, we have, we have folks coming from all different parts of the healthcare or public health sector and um, are always looking for additional people to join us. Thank you for that, Chris. And, and uh, folks, uh, you know, that, that, that is an opportunity. So um, make sure if you are interested in, in doing more, speak up. Uh, all these posts that will, will be, all these podcasts that we're publishing, we're also going to be posting them on LinkedIn. So if something today resonated with you or you're looking to get more involved, we encourage you to, to comment uh, on, on those LinkedIn posts and start a conversation because that's how we're going to make a dent in this uh, cybersecurity, cyber safety um, that we all deserve, um, patients, caregivers, and uh, stakeholders alike. So Chris, Mark, I want to thank you both for your time. Listeners, thank you for being with us. Hope you got a lot out of today's episode and looking forward to connecting with you, Mark and Chris, soon. Thank you. Thank you.